Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have Hunter Ewing with High Ground Company. Welcome, Hunter. Thank you, Lee. It's great to be here. Well, it's great reconnecting with you. Uh, for the folks who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about High Ground? How are you serving folks? Well, uh, thanks, Lee. We are a, an insurance advisory firm, Lee. We have a particular niche uh, in using life insurance products to help folks um, in many cases with tax planning, with business planning, sometimes philanthropic planning. So these are more sort of tactical strategic uses of life insurance planning, many times driven off of those things as well as just the tax benefits of, of life insurance. So we look a lot like a consulting firm, I guess is what I would say. So can you share some, uh, maybe some misconceptions about life insurance that folks aren't aware of? Well, that's a, I appreciate uh, the question. That's a, that's a great question. I think, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about life insurance is that it is a cost. And let me differentiate that. I think of life insurance as an asset. And the reason I think of it that way is because like anything that you put money into and you know something is going to come out of it, in the future, you can sort of say, all right, what's the investment return or the internal rate of return on doing that? And that looks a lot like an asset. So if I put money into a real estate, or whatever, something's going to happen in the future where there's going to be a return and that's an asset. So I think a big misconception is just that it's a cost or an expense when I think of it more as an asset. Is it because by using having the word insurance as part of the name that people look at it that way that this is, you know, in case everything goes bad, something will be there. Hopefully they don't see, they don't kind of look at it as an investment. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, Lee. I think also in all candor, you know, our, our industry has not done itself any favors in some ways um, in the sense that, you know, many people have purchased life insurance products that have not been adequately serviced over time. uh, And they haven't provided the, the, uh, the outcome that was originally intended you know, that's an issue. I think also, candidly, I think just kind of the nature of the beast, it's difficult sometimes for folks to discuss and think about their own mortality. Uh, that can be an issue. But, uh, you know, I think one thing I would just say is if you sort of strip away the word in the name life insurance and you sort of look at it on an economic basis, you look at it and go, man, that's a very efficient financial product and the right set of circumstances can really can really be helpful for whatever someone is trying to accomplish doesn't fit every need, but it certainly can be very useful in the right situation. But if you're planning, you know, if you're working with a financial advisor or wealth consultant, it it should be part of the conversation, right? This isn't something that you just immediately just take off the table. I would think so. And candidly, that's really a lot of our business is referred to us from other uh, financial advisors, many of them in the wealth management um, asset management world. Uh, lots of our business comes from uh, attorneys that specialize in tax planning, CPAs. But yeah, absolutely. You know, we see we see um, s- some of the 
wealth management firms really appreciate the role of life insurance uh, in a client's overall financial planning. Now, can you share like a hypothetical um, example of where this is like a no-brainer that people should be at least considering it? Like what is a scenario where uh, this would be kind of a, a kind of no-brainer move? That is a great, great question. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Um, I, I think two things come to mind. Lee, if you and I own a business together, uh, and it's a very valuable business, uh, and something happens to me, my ownership in the business is going to go to Lisa, my wife. Um, you got to have the means, the cash, to be able to buy Lisa's interest out after I'm gone. So in this example, what a life insurance policy will do for each of us is uh, it would give you the cash tax-free that you would then use to buy light leases interest in the business. And so from a business succession, what's called buy-sell planning, I think life insurance is a no-brainer. The other, the other um, thing that comes to mind is if I'm a very, very high net worth family uh, in, or individual and I have am subject to a potential estate tax in the future on transitioning my wealth to next generation in my family. Um, I can purchase a life insurance policy. And essentially what I'm doing in that case, Lee, is I'm buying cash in the future at a big discount. So just to pick a number, if I've got a, if I face a $10 million tax bill uh, in the future, or my family does, I can buy $10 million of tax free capital by way of a life insurance policy for a lot less than $10 million. And uh, so to me, that's a no-brainer. So now you're talking about high net worth folks. Is this something that, like, what's a number that uh, of net worth that you should, you know, consider at least having conversations about this? It, it, you know, if somebody has $100,000 as net worth, is this something worth having a conversation on? Or is it, like you said, it's got to be $10 million and above? Well, it, it, there are certainly, let me, let me answer the question this way. There are certainly great uses of life insurance, regardless of what someone's, someone's wealth is. Um, it happens that our, our business is more focused on um, the high net worth market space. But, you know, for example, um, I don't consider myself mega high net worth at all. And we've used, my wife and I are using life insurance as a way to create some capital for our three kids and grandkids at some point in time by way of kind of a legacy creation strategy. So when we go, there's a certain amount of money that's going to go into a trust and sort of create some inheritance for our children uh, and grandchildren someday. So, you know, I think it the the rules apply. Again, I would say to simplify it, if someone says, I, I want to create some capital when I go for some reason, I want to create some cash tax-free when I go, for whatever the reason is, I think insurance is at least should be considered and uh, taken a close look at. So now you mentioned that uh, a lot of your work is done through referrals from uh, people, I guess, who aren't uh, specialized in this niche as as you are. How do you kind of bubble up those opportunities for these folks? Is it just a hole in, in their offering that they don't do this and they're looking for an export? Or is it something that you've established yourself as kind of a thought leader in this space? Uh, I wish I could call myself a thought leader. Um, that's, 
but the answer is that it's taken uh, it takes a lot of time to develop trusted relationships with other advisors. There are lots that goes into that, Lee, um, personal chemistry, trust, confidence. Um, but we've spent a lot of time over the years developing relationships that are trusted. Uh, these folks that we and, and it goes the other direction, too. If we, we have a client, for example, who who maybe says, you know, gosh, I'm, I'm in, I would really like to have a new accounting advisor, a CPA that could be, you know, provide X, Y or Z. You know, we we have a, a great network of folks that we could refer based upon whatever they're trying to accomplish. And it goes the same way. So we sp- have spent a lot of time over the years developing relationships. We spend a lot of time regularly keeping our close relationships educated on opportunities for insurance planning so that when they're working with a client um, and the client says something, it may trigger a thought where the advisor might say, you know, maybe that's something we need to consider. Uh, let's call high ground and at least do some analysis and uh, figure out if it's a good fit. Is there a problem that you have uh, that the client has that uh, maybe insurance can can help solve? So that's our approach. Now, you mentioned um, one of the uses of insurance or life insurance is uh, through this kind of succession planning for businesses. Mm-hmm. Is this something that, I mean, I, you mentioned early, early that um, individuals don't like to talk about their own mortality, but in business people, it's probably even worse because they have their own mortality plus the mortality of their organization. <laughs> so yeah, is that yeah. kind of even more difficult to even open these conversations with business uh, owners? Yeah, I think I think uh, I don't know if it's more difficult, um, but it's equally difficult. Um, and um, you know, look, I, my partner uh, Bo Wilkins and I own High Ground Company. Um, we're you know just like all business owners, busy, busy, busy every day with uh, you know running and growing your business. And sometimes it's just hard to sort of pull back and say, "Whoa, I need to take some time to really sort of think about." Uh, this particular issue and you sort of look at it and go, well, maybe it's not, you know, um, going to create revenue today. It's, it's a, a longer term sort of thought process. And I think that's the thing that makes it difficult, Lee, is just the fact that business, you know, business owners are busy people. They got a lot of things that are happening every day, fires that pop up. And so, you know, allocating the time and energy and to think about these kind of things is just, it's just not easy. So what would it look like if you have, um, like you and your partner, what does that um, conversation look like and, and how do you um, begin to even uh, calculate what is the appropriate policy that the partner should have? Well, that's a great question. Um, let's think about it this way. If, in, in a situation where perhaps maybe an attorney has introduced us to his or her client and they've already discussed the importance of sort of business succession planning, then the issue is already on the table and the the prospective client, the business owner is, you know, sort of of a mindset that they want to sort of focus on it and discuss it. You know, in a situation like that, Lee, we would uh, we would have a meeting with the client and those advisors to really so that we could understand firsthand what their concerns are and what uh, what they were trying to accomplish. Um on the other hand, if it's sort of a more traditional sort of organic situation where maybe we just meet someone and um, and that pre- previous conversation has not happened, 
you know, we would we would uh, take the approach again of uh, from really the ground up to learn about them, learn about their family, learn about their business, learn about what's important to them, what are their concerns, uh, and and go about it in a more traditional manner. Did that answer your question? Well, I I, I'm just trying to get I'm trying to look at it through the lens of a listener that has a business and they have a partner. And maybe they're getting older. That it's like you said, they were busy. This didn't even occur to them that the tax ramifications and and the logistics of okay, what am I going to do? One of us, you know, uh, you know, is not or here anymore. Uh, you know, now I got to deal with their spouse. I got like it's all these unintended consequences that occur. You know, once right. that domino falls. So so like yeah. say they wrangle their partner and they say, okay, um, Hunter, what? what do we do? Like, do I get an appraisal for the company? So I know the value, like, how am I going to logistically, you know, get this policy so that I can take this, you know, worry off my plate? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So I think that's right. I mean, we would certainly in that kind of case, we need to, we need to assign an accurate value for it. So we work with accounting firms and valuation firms that would do that, that very, that very thing. I will tell you that at least sometimes we're involved in a project right now and, and, these two fellows own a very successful business. And uh, as simple as it sounds, um, we said to them, look, hey, uh, Bob, what is the minute? You know, if you were going to sell to Jeff today, what is the minimum value you would take for that? And they sort of sat back and, you know, sort of looked at each other and laughed and made a couple of jokes. But they finally came back and said, you know what? In all seriousness, if I were out of here, if I were just going to sell it and retire today, I would take no less than blank. And, uh, and so we talked about that more and really sort of drilled down on that. But at the end of the day, that's the amount of protection that we're we're working off of. So it doesn't really the um, a third party appraiser. That's nice to have. But the bottom bottom line is this is a negotiation between two partners. Right. Yeah. So the, oh, va- yeah. the value is in the eye of the beholder from that standpoint. Yeah, that's right. I think that's exactly right. Um no doubt about it. Yeah. They, and the other thing I would add to that is, you know, we certainly see situations I would, um, we have clients that will ensure some of the risk that they have in some cases, not all of it. We certainly have clients that will ensure all of that value, but in some situations they also have other strategies that they incorporate with insurance, such as an installment type arrangement. Maybe Lee, you and I again own a business and it's worth a lot of money, we might fund 50% of that potential buyout cost with insurance. And then we might say, okay, the rest is, is sort of paid out over time. Or a lot of times we'll get a question about, okay, well, my business is worth X today, but certainly we hope it's going to be worth more in the future. What, you know, what insurance value should we work off of? And we can certainly say, all right, you know, let's, let's ensure the value today. We could even buy forward a little bit and, and increase the value based upon anticipated growth. But in a lot of cases, Lee, they might say, all right, the value is next today. And anything over that amount, we're going to, you know, handle by way of some kind of installment payout or loan arrangement, something like that. So, you know, it's all the above. Now, if somebody like say they say, okay, our business is worth a million dollars and I want to get a million dollars of life insurance in case, you know, when one of us goes, what is the like how, how much is a million dollars worth of life insurance or is, is there a flat amount of money or is that thing depend on uh, several variables 
Okay, another great question. So it will depend upon the person's age and their health and the type of product that they purchase. So there are different types of insurance products. Um, oftentimes people will use term life insurance, which is a great product for a short-term need. Sometimes they'll use a permanent life insurance product for kind of an indefinite need. So one of the really important things we try to understand is, you know, where are they on that? Are they, do they intend to maybe sell the business in the, in the short term or in the future? We would, in that case, we probably would recommend they buy term life insurance. On the other hand, like the fellas that I mentioned earlier, they're saying, you know, this is, this is, no, we're going to be here for the long haul and we want this protection to never go away. Well, in that case, we're recommending permanent insurance. So all the things that you're asking will be driven off of um, their age, their health, and the amount of insurance, and obviously the type of insurance. So what would be kind of a range uh, for a million dollars, like for term and, and for permanent? You know, I would say uh, for term insurance, my sense would be, call it a 1000 or $1,500 for every million, assuming someone is, uh, I'm, I'm 58 years old, um, million dollars of term insurance for someone in good health is probably $1,500 for every million dollars. And that would last about 20 years. Obviously, it's kind of a, a good estimate. If it's a permanent insurance policy, um, the outlay might be seven to eight times that amount, um, but it'll never go away. So that's kind of the distinction. You're buying um, a longer period of coverage, uh, and uh, that just takes a higher amortized outlay and that's an annual fee you're paying that every year to, to maintain the insurance that's right and then they can be really really customized so today's products are so much better than they used to be and they allow us to design the the policy so that again i'm gonna pick on you and me you know we we might say look you know um, boy, we're really doing well right now, and we expect our business to be really, really strong for the next five years. We want to we want to knock this thing out and fund it over the next five years, and we don't want to have to pay for it after that. You know, we could sort of design the the contributions to the policy to really to to pay it off or pay 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 it up in five years. Um, and so um, they're very very customizable this day and time. And that's why you kind of need an expert, right? This isn't something, if you were trying to Google this and try to figure it out on your own, you know, you're going to miss some stuff. You got to work with folks that are doing this every day. Um, thank you. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, it sounds self-serving, but there's a lot to it. And uh, um, it makes me think about, here's an analogy, you know, you can buy a, a will or a trust or some sort of legal document off legal Zoom but you sort of get what you pay for and um, you really ought to have a good attorney. I know it's sometimes it's expensive, but they're, those folks are invaluable and a good accountant, they are invaluable uh, and a good wealth management person, you know, instead of trying to do it yourself, they're going to be invaluable. So, you know, we think of ourselves, I guess, in that same, same vein. Right. It's one of those things you don't know what you don't know. And these people are kind of going over this every day. They're paying attention to the trends and the little nuances of this stuff that you might miss because you, you have a real job. You know, you have another job that's not this and that this is their job. Yeah. And the, the one thing that comes to mind, as you said, that is it's so important to have a good team. 
And I think that's one of the things that we enjoy about our work is we get to work with other advisors and really put our heads together with them and, you know, uh, figure out the right approach for the client together, get the attorney's perspective, get the accountant's perspective, get everybody's thoughts on the table. 99 times out of 100, that creates the best best outcome. Now, are there... Uh, is this an industry that changes a lot? Are there new things coming, new offerings coming like every day and you got to be on top of this? Or is it something that, you know, this thing is what it's been? Yeah, man, that is a, you've got some great questions today. It changes all the time. And there, there are a handful of things that change. The products change a lot. The, the, one of the things that was really, um, was really helpful, I think, about COVID was the fact that it really forced insurance companies, insurance companies for probably a good reason have gotten a, a bad rap on their, on their technology and on their implementation systems and what have you. And man, COVID really, really forced them to get in the game from a technology standpoint. And so good example would be, you know, when someone buys insurance, Historically, they have to go, um, they have to have an examiner come see them and get a blood sample and urine sample and this stuff to, to um, you know, prove they're in good health. Today's world, um, that still happens in some cases, but more and more frequently now, AI technology is coming into play where some of that underwriting can be done uh, without those kind of things. So, and we know the companies that do that and we know the companies that are easy to work with and and that changes all the time. Um, products change. It's a very, very competitive market. Um, insurance companies are always trying to uh, outdevelop each other on the product development side. Um, they're constantly coming out with new products or tweaks to existing products. And yeah, a big part of our job is to stay on top of all that stuff and know what's happening in the market so we can bring the best potential solution to our clients. Well, if somebody wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on the team, what's the website? What's the best way to get a hold of you? It is www.highgroundcompany.com, www.highgroundcompany.com. And we are here in Atlanta, right over by Powers Ferry and 285. Uh, But our business is all over the country. Um, And uh, we would be happy to help take a phone call or arrange an appointment to learn more see what we could see if we could help well hunter thank you so much for sharing your story today you're doing such important work and we appreciate you thank you lee it's been it's been fun i've really enjoyed it all right this is lee Cantor. we'll see you all next time on atlanta business radio